Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Yes, indeed. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway. We're going to forego, forego rather the traditional Reagan Open so that we can get right in with our next guest. But before I do, I am obliged to remind you that uh, less than a week now, a week from yesterday, uh, I will be speaking to the Strongsville Republican Club. The Strongsville GOP has invited me to come out and uh, strategize and organize and maybe inspire a little bit uh, people to come together and put in the work that needs to be done to save this country. And we'll start it at the local level, and we will grow it from there. So Monday, April 12th, 7 o'clock, Brew Garden in Strongsville. I will be there. I'm told there are just a few tickets left. Not 100% sure if there are still that still any left. That was as of a couple of days ago. But um, if you would like to be there, I would certainly love to see you and love to talk with you and love to strategize with you about what we need to get done. All right, having said that, let's uh, bring Peter Kersenow onto the program for his regular Tuesday. They visit Peter Kersenow is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He was a member of the 1776 President Commission, Presidential Commission on Race and uh, Historical Accuracy in America. Uh, he is also a best-selling author, a Cleveland attorney, and the host of the Kersenow Report here on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning, my friend. It's a beautiful day, Bob. Uh, it's uh, not in terms of Cleveland sports. And I have to say that I think I'm going to forego my countdowns on the various uh, opening days, whether it's uh, obviously we've already had opening day for the Indians, but I'm getting a little uh, disgusted with uh, Major League Sports and their virtue signaling. Sports is where we go to escape the lunacy of politics, and yet they inject it into sports. It's just, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've heard from a lot of people, friends, and others who've emailed to say, you know, they're done. And what I interpret from that is not so much that they're done completely, but they don't have any enthusiasm to watch. One person emailed me saying it's it's somebody that is well-known, and your audience would know him, saying he's boycotting. He said he's he's been a a baseball fan for decades, uh, his entire life, and um, he's just done with it. You know, how many times do they have to shove this down our throats? Well, Pete, uh, your friend is uh, is accurate and 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 I think is uh, wise in his decision. It mirrors my own. Um, I have boycotted baseball as well. Um, I boycotted baseball last year because they put BLM on the pitcher's mound. Uh, they literally put BLM messaging yep. all over the ballparks when they played their abbreviated season. I was disgusted by that because I am a capitalist, not a Marxist, because I am a believer in liberty and not tyranny. And that is what they were um, supporting with that messaging. They may not even know it. Maybe they do. I don't know, but I was done. Now with what they just did, not only are you are you boycotting baseball, not only is uh, your friend boycotting baseball, not only am I, Governor Greg Abbott in Texas was supposed to throw out the first pitch in the Rangers' home opener yesterday. He made an announcement saying he will not do it. Thank you for the invitation to throw out the first pitch, he said. I was looking forward to it. Until Major League Baseball adopted what turned out to be a false narrative about the election law reforms in Georgia. And based on that false narrative, moved the baseball all-star game from Atlanta. It is shameful that America's pastime is not only being influenced by partisan politics, but also perpetuating false political narratives. The state of Texas was proud to host MLB uh, uh proud to help MLB host last season's National League playoff games and the World Series in Arlington. However, I will not participate in an event held by MLB, and the state will not seek to host the All-Star Game or any other MLB special events. 
So this is the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, Pete, and I think it's one of the strongest statements yet. Um, and, and, and I think most honorable statements, because we all know that one of the reasons we're upset that baseball took the All-Star game from Atlanta is they took about $100 million of economic revenue generated for that city and in that region uh, and for that state. And for Greg Abbott to say, we won't even seek to host it in one of our major league ballparks now, knowing it's a massive amount of money that's generated here, but we're going to stand on principle because of what they are doing. I think that's one of the strongest statements yet. I agree with that. I wish more would do it. I think it's Trump-esque. You've seen people like DeSantis and Abbott and others who've had their spines stiffened. Not to say that they didn't have a stiff spine before, but right. it, it reminds of Trump. And we need a lot more of that. For a long time, conservatives have, you know, we've eschewed doing the things that the left has done, try to politicize things that have never historically been politicized. We want to go about our daily lives. But as one person that I read, uh, another friend of mine who's a columnist, said that it's about time that conservatives start to push back on this stuff, otherwise they're going to continue to steamroll. It seems like every time the left wants to conduct a boycott, every time the left is upset about something, corporations, uh, institutions capitulate to them, and we have what Mark Stein calls, very famously, the one-way liberal ratchet. It always just incrementally moves leftward, society does, with no pushback whatsoever. And it has gotten so ridiculous to this point now, I, I don't have any satisfaction. I can't even bear, it's, it, this is strange to say for a lifelong sports fan, and maybe it says something about how thin-skinned I am, but it's difficult for me to even watch this stuff. Uh, now, first, they say they're taking away the name Indians, as if somehow, how is Indian somehow a pejorative? I don't understand that. It, now they're taking away the name Indians. I don't even know what to call them anymore. And then, you know, the, the, the widespread kneeling that spans all the various professional sports, the m many franchises who've done it, uh, those who won't even come out onto the field because they're afraid of what their players will do, so they stay in the locker room. Why don't you stay there forever? We've got a bunch of spoiled millionaires out there who could never have been millionaires except for the United States of America and what the United States of America has done worldwide. And somehow this country is not good enough for them to stand. I'm done. I, you know, I, I can't take it. And as I said, it's not a formal boycott. I will, I will admit, I'll admit quite readily here on your, your airwaves that every once in a while, because I'm such a sports fan, that's something that might capture my attention. If I see, if, if for example, if somebody's pitching a no-hitter uh, no or a perfect game, going to be hard to avoid. If I'm walking past a TV, you know, when I'm walking down the sidewalk and I, I find out that it's, you know, bottom of the seventh and somebody's got a, a no-hitter going, I might pause and watch just because of the sheer athleticism of it. But uh, aside from that, you know, I, I don't have any desire to purchase a ticket to go anywhere. I have found myself beginning about a year and a half, actually two years ago when the kneeling first started with, uh, with uh, or more than that. It was yeah, three, it was almost four almost four years ago. Kaepernick hasn't right, played exactly. in the league in over four years, yeah. Exactly. When the Kaepernick kneeling began, I really started, I, I think my viewership of various professional sports dropped at least 80%. Um, and it's probably dropped even more than that. But I will tell you... Pete, let, uh, let, let, me, let me bring this current, because um, I'm, I'm with you about when it started with the kneeling, but I want to focus more specifically on this MLB situation now from, on two fronts. Number one, maybe three. Number one... Uh, they pulled the all-star game because of the new law, because the new law is racist, because it re yeah, requires yeah. Voter, voter identification to vote. Um, they awarded, and they'll make the announcement official today, the all-star game now to Denver and Coors Field, which happens to reside in a state called Colorado, 
which has voter ID laws already yep. on the books. Literally the same exact thing. As a matter of fact, the Georgia, new Georgia voting, uh, voter reform law provides more opportunities to vote, has more days of early voting and more opportunities <clears throat> than, than the state of Colorado does. But Colorado, Colorado being a, a true blue state, uh, has been awarded the all-star game, uh, for obviously no reason whatsoever. So that's hypocrisy number one. Number two, Peter, is the day before they announced the pulling of the All-Star game from Atlanta because of the Georgia voter reform law, Major League Baseball finalized a new expanded contract with Tencent, which is the uh, communications company, the broadcast and streaming company that is owned and operated by the Chinese Communist Party. So they, and this is the same company, by the way, that, that, that blacked out NBA games after a former NBA GM for the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, dared to tweet, Free Hong Kong, um, two years ago, actually October of 2019. They banned uh, the airing of NBA games. When they resumed them, they, they would not air Houston Rockets games. And now that Morey has moved over to the Philadelphia 76ers, they won't air their games. So this is a... This is a, a commissioner, Rob Manfred, and presumably working with the cooperation and agreement of all of the owners, that is saying Georgia doesn't do enough to respect democracy in their warped view of it, but China, which allows you know the, the people of Hong Kong no freedom whatsoever from Chinese rule, which you know the Chinese Communist Party continues to engage in human rights abuses, puts Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps, is committing genocide against the same. Pete, how does baseball even purport to stand on a ground, a high ground of moral authority here, talking about Georgia versus China? Yeah, they can't. In in addition to the fact that they're doing this, it's just the rank stupidity of it all. They didn't read H.R. 1. They simply went with what they were told by progressives. They capitulated to progressives. And it goes back to my previous point. I do think that my friend who says conservatives have got to start fighting fire with fire on this thing. For a long time, we've, we've eschewed boycotts. But at this point, you know, we're going to see all of our cultural totems just completely eradicated as a result of this, this crazy, insane wokeness. Virtually everything you've heard publicly and I've done my best to try to go through H.R. 1. It's pretty dense reading. But nonetheless, you can come to certain conclusions really rapidly. And that is, when you see the headlines, virtually every headline you see in, in almost every publication and media source these days is progressive, every single one of those, I would like to say they're simply false, but they're not simply false. They're lies, because they're so simple to understand. Just doing 15 seconds of research, whoever is writing it for the New York Times, Washington Post, or doing it for CNN, if they spent just a few minutes reading the thing, they'd see that what they are writing in the Washington Post and, and others is completely false. And they must have done some research, although I admit some of these people just parrot what they hear from the New York Times exactly. or one of the other flagships. But nonetheless, they're not doing their job. But, but where, what about Coke and Delta and all these other major corporations? They have got huge, they've got a phalanx of, of media people, of uh, lawyers, and others charged with making sure that before the CEO says something and put his, puts his foot in his mouth, that he's doing it for the right reason. But it's all false. They're simply lying, as we've discussed before. The media have, have gone from being merely propaganda organs uh, that are biased to outright spreading 
falsehoods, outright lying. We saw it with, you know, the, the, you've seen it with 60 Minutes and... I was just going to ask you if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, hit I mean, piece. It, but, but that's just one. That's just one, and it's not even a, a significant example. There's, it's virtually every day they are lying in service of a progressive agenda. So, Well, it, 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 is, it is. I think that one, by the way, Pete, if I may, is a significant example, to be honest with you. They recognize who Ron DeSantis is. He is a rising star. He may be, if you were to do a straw poll right now and exclude Donald Trump from it, the number one choice for 2024 among Republicans because what he's done in Florida. So right now, millions of Americans who watched CBS 60 Minutes believe that, that Ron DeSantis was guilty of pay-to-play and taking money from for his pack from Publix, uh, the Publix chain uh, in exchange for giving them the contract to distribute the shots, the vaccines. That's what they will think. They won't see the the you know reporting that was done by others that exposed 60 minutes lies and hypocrisy 60 60 or excuse me millions of people will go on into 2022 3 and 4 thinking Ron DeSantis is corrupt and dirty so it is significant it has an impact and they will not see the correction they will not see the expose they will only see the original hit piece and that to me makes it really really important sorry to interrupt there Pete but we're going to get our break here we'll come back and finish up on this and move on on AM 1420 the answer Okay, it's 1024. We continue now with Kersenau on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's move on. Uh, and Peter Kersenau, I want to talk about the infrastructure bill that is not about infrastructure. It's amazing how many times this news cycle repeats itself with the uh, dementia, uh, uh, dementia sufferer-in-chief uh, at the helm. Uh, we had a $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill that wasn't about COVID relief, but for maybe 9%, 91% Democrat pet projects. Now we have infrastructure at $2.25 trillion that is only 5 or 6% about infrastructure. The rest, Democrat pet pro- uh, projects, including Green New Deal uh, by, by a piecemeal. So, Pete, to pay for all of this, the Biden administration has announced tax hikes, corporate tax rate going from 21% up to 28%. And this is what I want you to comment on. Janet Yellen's response to the fact that American companies are going to just flee to other countries with lower corporate tax rates, as they did during the Obama administration, um, her response is, I'm going to tell all of our global partners and friends to raise their tax rates, too. We're going to call for a global minimum corporation tax or corporate tax to avoid a, quote, unquote, race to the bottom. So in other words, she's going to look at the rest of the world and say, we're going to screw our economy and our companies and our businesses over in a big way here with huge tax hikes. Will you please screw your people and your companies and your uh, corporations over as well so that they don't flee us and come to you? How's that going to work out? Yeah, uh, before we get into something that important, we should deal with something just as important. you got great bumper music. Props to the engineer again. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Andrew, spinning the the tunes today. Well done. Exactly right. Yeah, but, you know, first of all, as you just indicated, it's a blatant admission that uh, the scheme of taxes and printing money is going to result in a stagnant, if at best, stagnant economy. It could result at best. We hope the only thing it results in is the stagflation that we had in the Carter years. Now, Bob, you're probably too young to, to remember those things. But we had a combination of tax hikes 
and inflation that really, really just destroyed the economy. And it wasn't until Reagan came along, it wasn't really in effect until Reagan's second term that we started to dig out from that. It was just a deep, deep mess. 15 to 17% interest rates when you were buying a house. It was just extraordinarily bad. And this promises to be just as bad, if not worse, because we're printing money. We no longer finance the government with tax revenue, it seems to me. It seems it's financed by simply printing money, printing dollars that are going to be chasing after fewer goods and we're going to have inflation. I mean, this is something, it's not even rocket science. It's not even third grade science. So when she says that we're going to ask others to do the same thing we're doing, it's an admission that what the, the combination of the printing of money and the tax hikes and all the hyper-regulation that's going on is going to to uh, do significant harm to the economy. And while they blithely say we're going to ask our partners to do this, first of all, I'm not so sure our partners are going to do this at all. In fact, when I say not so sure, I'm fairly certain that a significant number of them are going to say, forget this. You know, we're not going to harm yeah, why would our they? economy. Why would they go along with it? Up. We're going to welcome whatever capital flows into our coffers as a result of you chasing it away. But on top of that, we get elected, or many of us do get elected too, that means in these foreign countries, we have to answer to our populace. And if we start raising taxes on us, on us, they're going to be just as upset as Americans are going to be with your administration. So this, this is sheer lunacy that's going on here. And, and it is also some evidence, evidence of a lot of different things, but it's clear evidence that over the last 40 years, our educational establishment has done nothing but dumb down the populace. This is simple common sense. In other words, you don't even have to teach this in K through 12 and, and undergrad. What has happened is we have so dumbed down the country that we can't even think our way through of these things, regardless of what, what text we read. So the, the fact that they are doing this and doing it with the, the, such lies and brazenness, and I'm not so sure it's going to happen. As you know, Manchin came out and said, whoa, 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 I got some issues. And there may be about a half a dozen of my fellow Democrats who've got some issues with this. Uh, there are Democrats that are in purple to red states. They're going to have a difficult time, especially after the millions, billions, trillions that have already been spent toward no obvious effect other than raising prices. They've got answer to their populace. They've got answer to their voters. And there's still a lot of voters out there saying, like, what the heck are you doing? You're saying you're passing COVID relief and only 5 to 10% actually goes to COVID relief. Then you say you're going to pass an infrastructure bill. Again, 5 to 10% goes to infrastructure. The rest goes to policies and programs more lunatic than anything that Ocasio-Cortez could have proposed. So except, except, that, except that Ocasio-Cortez wanted $10 trillion instead of $2.25 trillion. Over time, Bob. Over time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that, that's her that's her qualifier. There's yes, over time, but it is uh, it is just that insane. All right, Pete, let's take our time out here at ten thirty now. Good stuff on infrastructure. And I want to talk to you about vaccines and vaccine passports. What does the law say? You're a constitutional scholar. You educate us on what the Constitution says that the legislators can actually do when it comes to forcing people to take shots in order to engage in commerce or engage in travel or assembly in the United States of America. That's coming up with Curse Now on 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1035. Now we continue with Peter Kersenow on this Tuesday edition of The Authority. Appreciate you being with us. I doubt that the federal government will be the main mover of a 
vaccine passport concept. They may be involved in making sure things are done fairly and equitably, but I doubt if the federal government is going to be the leading element of that. I do believe that there will be individual entities that will do that. There may be theaters that say you don't get in unless you have proof of vaccination. There may be colleges or, or, or other educational institutions that do that. I'm not saying they should or that they would, but I'm saying you could foresee how an independent entity might say, well, we can't be dealing with you unless we know you're vaccinated, but it's not going to be mandated from the federal government. All right, Peter Kirsten. Now, there he is, the grand poobah of epidemiology, the highest paid federal employee in America, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He says the feds won't mandate uh, a vaccine passport, but that private entities and also individual states may do something of that sort. My question for you is, Pete, is what does the Constitution say about discrimination? What does the Civil Rights Act say about discrimination? Can one be discriminated against, banned from a theater, banned from a ballpark, banned from a subway, banned from an airplane, unless they have proof of a medical procedure being done, of something especially that a healthy person doesn't have to have done? Um, can they dis- discriminate against us, discriminate against you, um, for not taking a government-mandated uh, stab? You know, why is why are Zeland still listening to Fauci? And that's what, what's baffling to me. I mean, he's no longer needed to attack Trump. He has manifestly been been wrong so many times and flip-flopped. And I, it's baffling to me that he speaks with just this unbridled authority and it's accepted by so many people or so many media organizations. But aside from that, um, there's a lot of issues here and it's going to take a lot to unpack, whether it's a private entity or a public entity. It can put this way. Uh, there is no standard prohibition against the, the idea of a passport. Having said that, there are all kinds of problems with respect to it that uh, could implicate, for example, Commerce Clause issues, Equal Protection Clause issues, state and local uh, uh, EEO requirements. I mean, it goes on and on and on. 1964 Civil Rights Act, it can be a real thicket. It's a minefield there. And if a private entity does it, doesn't necessarily absolve uh, the, the whole notion of any kind of, of uh, legal issue. Yes, there are, for example, the EEOC has said that there's no ADA violation, that's Americans with Disabilities Act violation, if you require a vaccine before coming to work. And, I mean, there's a lot of different exceptions to that also in the manner in which it's, it's uh, administered. But in terms of possibly impeding travel, that's a problem there. In terms of whether or not certain groups may have disproportionate access or disproportionately less access to vaccines, there's an equal protection argument if we're talking about state and local, and there's also a 1964 Civil Rights Act argument there that you've got a significant problem there. And we have heard throughout the entire pandemic, it seems that the media and the government, but I I, I tend to start to repeat myself, um, are concerned about, quote-unquote, equity for underprivileged groups. And that's not going to pass very easily if there's even a remote notion that certain groups will be allegedly underserved, which is the nomenclature they like to use. Um, then there are privacy 
issues related to it. Um, again, private sector, a little bit more latitude in doing something like that. But uh, there's the, the possibility, for example, that they're receiving funds from federal government. There's all a host of issues that need to be unpacked that make it not as easy as Dr. Fauci seems to believe. Now, Dr. Fauci um, has not necessarily covered himself in glory with respect to his profession. Maybe he should stick to his profession and not go into other professions also. But then again, you know, he, I guess, he surrounds himself or is surrounded by people who treat him as if he's infallible. Um, we conservatives have seen him from at least last March as not just being fallible, but confused and opportunistic. Uh, so I'm not listening to Fauci on anything. Well, I, I never started listening to him. But with respect to the whole issue of passports, I think we discussed this last week, Bob. My view is, yes, we can. it's challengeable under the law. There's a whole host of issues that they've got to comply with. It's not that easy. But the bottom line here is it's un-American. It is just flat out un-American. Even if it were lawful, we should rebel against this. Simply because something is lawful doesn't mean it's right. What does rebel mean is the question, you know, because I think if they pass something uh, that allows either states, because, you know, and I don't want Fauci to be the story, by the way. Fauci just said that he doesn't believe that the feds are going to mandate it, but it will still be able to be done by the states, which means we have to go to our legislatures ahead of time, because I don't want to just let them pass something, Pete. <clears throat> Yeah. Excuse me. That uh you know that does require in state or allow private entities to to mandate shots in order to provide access to people and then quote rebel against it because you know then what are we doing? Right. We I mean we're we're, we're going to be helpless there. We have to do it ahead of time. Um and from what I understand that Ohio legislators are considering what some other state legislator legislatures are doing which is to pass a law banning public uh, vaccine passports. In other words, that the state of Ohio cannot mandate that you have this shot, but it would preclude private entities from, uh, from, you know, uh, following the same rule that private entities can do what they want. So I, I would think, right, that it's incumbent upon us as free, free the people, if I'm, if I may borrow that. It's incumbent upon us to get to our legislatures now and say, do not pass legislation that blocks a passport for just for the state. You got to pass it, that, uh, a legislation that blocks any private entity from discriminating against someone who has chosen not to take a foreign substance injected into their body, which, you know, long term effects that we don't even have any clue about right now. That's just not, that cannot be allowed, right? That's the rebellion. That's what I mean by a rebellion. I think that it is. It's kind of passive resistance. We utilize all the instrumentalities available to us as a free republic, as a free people, and say, no, we're not doing this. And the legislature, yeah, that's one of the more obvious mechanisms. Or, you know, it, it, well, certain places have the executive branch uh, <laughs> that are favorable to, to that view. Uh, you know, Florida, Texas, maybe some others. But wherever we have the ability to say no, and however we have the ability to say no, I say we must say no. Uh, good news in Ohio is we do have a lot of patriots here who have said no. Uh, you know, I know that you and I have been members of groups that have petitioned the, you know, our, our General Assembly to do certain things. We're on the verge of getting certain things passed, we hope. Um, not this just there, by the way, not, ju not just on the legislative side, but Ohio stands up with uh, Attorney Tom Renz and others. They're doing it in the courts, too. They're going judicial, yeah. judicial route as well to stop uh, this type of thing, these passports, from being allowed to be passed. Yeah, I, I think that it's important that we do use every instrumentality available to us to act as a free people. 
And we simply don't take this. I mean, for the last year, we've heard the term the Great Reset, which is a frightening term. Yeah. And it's a, um, it's a worldwide term. I don't want to do what other countries are doing. We're the United States of America. We follow our own path. But nonetheless, I think most Americans, number one, are sick of what's going on right now. They're sick of the pandemic. They're sick of the idiot type of rules. Now, some of them might make some sense, but a lot of them were simply assertions of power for the sake of asserting power. And we say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're free people. We are freeborn. We're not going to submit to this petty dictatorship. And especially, like, I have, and I think a lot of Americans have, a knee-jerk reaction to almost anything Fauci proposes. So when Fauci says something, my tendency is to think, we're going to do just the opposite. But every one of us, I think, that is listening to your program, you know, we're kind of similarly minded, recoils at the notion of any kind of a permission slip to move about our country freely. So if a private enterprise wants to have some type of a partnership, yeah, there are certain legal issues that pertain to it. They may have the authority to do that in, in, in certain circumstances. You know, again, there's all the issues that I mentioned before in terms of commerce clause, equal protection, all, not equal protection, but civil rights laws, and, and, and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, if anyone breathes a word of that on a state level and a governmental level, that person needs to be run out of office very fast. And as you just indicated, we need to do everything we can to pressure our legislature. It's popular, Bob. That's the other thing. If these guys are only looking out for their own self-interest, it is something that the American people, that the Ohio people want them to do. We've had a year of these lockdowns, a year of following ridiculous rules. Some of them made some sense, but some of them were perpetuated beyond all measure of, of rationality. And now it's time to start acting like Americans. So let's do it. Right. Pete, um, I want to talk about this from a narrow uh, standpoint here as well. Uh, you mentioned the underprivileged, the underserved, and let's, let's say what that means, minorities, black and brown people, and in particular, the black race, um, you know, has a rightful reason to distrust you know, federally mandated or pushed vaccines after what happened with the Tuskegee, you know, syphilis study, the lies that they were fed about getting free health care and so forth. And so as I understand it, the last count was only about 14 percent of African-Americans have taken the vaccine to date. Yeah, right. 14 percent. Now, if my math is off here, forgive me, but there's roughly 330 million people in the country. And 13% of that is around 42 million. And 14% of that is what? Uh, you know, around 8 million. So are we going to tell 35 million potentially black people in this country when they walk up to buy a ticket to a baseball game, you can't get in because you didn't take the government mandated vaccine to get out, to get onto a plane? Sorry, turn yourself around and hop in your Uber and go back home. You can't fly today because you don't have a vaccine. Are they going to tell black Americans that, Pete? And how well is that going to go over? Yeah, well, you know, here's the problem for the left. They've been throughout the champions of disparate impact theory. That is, they think a mere disparity is evidence of discrimination when it could be some evidence of discrimination, but it's contingent upon proving other factors to show that it is intentional discrimination. Nonetheless, the left maintains that any type of a disparate impact is prima facie evidence of of illegality or discrimination. But more important, standing on its own can be a violation of a host of civil rights statutes. So now they're going to have to deal with, with what they've created. Now, I do happen to think that a disparity can be evidence of discrimination. It's not unequivocal evidence of discrimination. But the problem is that if you have the kind of disparity you've just mentioned, 
it opens up a huge number of, it could be the, the, the government, it could be these various inter, uh, enterprises that have adopted this policy to discrimination charges. If they can demonstrate disparity or that has a disparate impact on certain protected classes, and by that I mean race, sex, um, it, it, sex has a, a slightly lower threshold for showing that, but uh, unless they can show something like that, then they may be subject to liability. So their in-house counsel, their out-house counsel, <laughs> all of their counsel are going to be advising them on this. And there's a limit to virtue signaling also. Now, there are health concerns. In other words, uh, if they can show that maintaining a policy such as that has the, the effect of maintaining a safe environment, you know, that it won't result in people, you know, catching COVID or anything of that nature, they may have an argument, but that's not going to forestall lawsuits and charges from being filed. So this is a, this is a thicket. It's a hornet's nest. I go back to the fact that, you know, look, as Americans, we shouldn't be doing stuff like this if it's at all avoidable. And especially given this, that, yeah, COVID is, is a nasty disease, but it's not the nastiest we've ever faced. And not in the long scheme of things, the, the vast majority of people, yeah, you're going to get sick. But we all have gotten sick at some point, and most of us have gotten sick as badly as you would get sick from COVID. Now, for the elderly and those with you know underlying conditions, clearly you know it's it's got a, it's a problem. But we have this is me speaking. I'm not basing this on anybody else's position on this. I happen to think that we have made a number of significant public policy errors and that we have blown up the size of or the impact of COVID for reasons that, um, well, you know, we'll figure that out over the years, what those reasons are. I, I'm not necessarily certain that all the reasons are necessarily kosher. Yeah, Pete, I, I would concur. Um, and look, when I, when I look at COVID, I, I don't want to diminish it all, but 80%, I believe, of the deaths are in senior citizens who had comorbidities, you know, or their underlying health conditions. And that the CDC says 99.5%. So literally half, one half of 1% of the people who do get infected with it outside of that age range and with the comorbidities recover from it. 99.5% recovery rate. Uh, so, so one half of 1% die from it, I guess I should have said. So I don't want to diminish it at all. One of my best friends I lost to COVID-19 down in Florida. So I, believe me, I don't diminish it at all, but that should not, uh, uh, affect public policy to the point where people's rights are violated in order order uh, to make sure that, you know, enough people, according to the government, in their minds, uh, so that, that we can reach, quote-unquote, herd immunity. You cannot violate the rights of people and tell them you can't go here or there or anywhere without this mandated shot that, again, is... Exp- and that's the other part of this, Pete. I'm sorry. I, uh, medical science is wonderful, but it is not perfect, and they call this vaccine the experimental COVID-19 vaccine. It's in the name. It was... It was it was, uh, what's it called when the, the quickly approved by the FDA emergency? It was emergency approved by the FDA for, for use because of the, uh, you know, the pressing need as it was thought. So to take an experimental vaccine that was, that was fast or rushed into production and to mandate it in everybody with, uh, with the penalty of not being able to engage in public life and public society is something that I just cannot believe the constitu- or that, uh, judges would find constitutional. Last thought, Pete. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. COVID's a serious disease, but it's not the first serious disease we've ever faced, and it's not the first big problem we've ever faced, and we shouldn't be abandoning our liberties as a result of this. That, that is the biggest disease I'm afraid of.
those are that, that's the key word there, liberty. That is exactly right. We have to have the right to make our own choices as far as our health care goes. Peter Kersenow, terrific job as always, my friend. Thank you so much for the time. I will talk to you soon. Take care, Bob. All right, that's Kersenow uh, on this Tuesday edition. It's 1051. I've got time for a few phone calls before we wrap it up at 11. Uh, so dial now, 216-901-0945. Right back. Okay, 10.54. I've got time for about two, three phone calls here, depending on their length. So try to keep it brief so we can get as many people on as possible. And please, somebody call me and say something stupid so I can hang up on you and use my new uh, hang up on stupid people uh, soundbite. Ouch! 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 Immediately out! Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. I don't care what you have to say. Ouch! <sighs> That Polish priest in Canada is my new favorite person. I love him. TJ in Cleveland, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, go ahead, TJ. Yeah, you know, Bob, this Atlanta thing. Yes. Let's let's say if the the All Star game was in Cincinnati and Major League Baseball did this, I wouldn't care here in Cleveland. People in Columbus don't care. The city hosting it is the ones that are going to get the vast majority of the benefit. Now they took a deep blue city and punished it. A city that could probably use the cash uh, infusion, you know, that the All Star Game would bring. Yeah, about a hundred million dollars. About a hundred million dollars of economic uh, uh, development and revenue there. Yeah, Yeah, they're not punishing Georgia. They're punishing their own people in Atlanta. Like I said, a deep blue city, and that just shows how not just deep blue, not just deep blue, uh, TJ. But you know, the other part of this, I brought this up yesterday. Atlanta is a sixty percent black demographic city. 60% 60% black, it's majority black, it's minority white. So they're punishing black people over a Georgia law that they say somehow punishes black people. Think about that. Well, yeah, I mean, and it just shows how dangerous these lefties are. They'll eat their own uh, to advance an agenda. These people got to be stopped. These are dangerous, dangerous people. And you can just see what they're doing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm done with Major League Baseball. And, you know, Mr. Dolan... Put a competitive team on the field. Win us a World Series once in a while. Worry more about that than the woke crap, you know, that you're buying into. And I am go. done with baseball. And I'm I'll done with you. more than baseball, TJ. Also, be thank you for the call, buddy. It would be be done with Coke. Be done with Delta. Be done with any of these Georgia companies that are joining in the protest and the boycott or the uh, uh, the uh, uh, attempt to uh, get uh, Georgia legislators to change that voter reform law. Any of those companies that are complaining about this and calling this something that it is not, which is a restriction of voting rights, rather than what it is, which is an expansion of voting rights and a restriction of cheating rights, uh, they all deserve to to be boycotted by conservatives. I Like Pete, I've never been a person who said boycott this company or that. I've never done it. But I'll tell you what, it's time. It's time to fight fire with fire. This is what they do, and it's effective to some extent. It's what we must do. Uh, Bob in Middleburg Heights next. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Bob. I agree with you and TJ 100%. It's time to turn Major League Baseball off. These people are making a very, very serious move against democracy, and people need to wake up and realize what they're saying with this little stun of theirs. Turn them yeah. off. Yeah, I totally That's agree. The and they, 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 
and they have millions of people who watch their broadcasts and, and pay attention to their games, so they will be effective unless we do indeed. Thank you, Bob. Unless we do indeed encourage people, and we are successful in encouraging people to, to turn them off and boycott them. I will not watch. I will not talk about them. I won't read newspaper articles about the game yesterday. I'm done. And I'm done with Coke and the others as well. Gary and Berea next. Hey, Gary, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Love that, pre- that Canadian priest. Boy, has he got guts. Yeah. Polish priest. Yeah. He's a Polish priest. He's yeah. Polish, but he's in oh. Canada working. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I just lo- love it. And, and based on, on his uh, his outrage, I, I'd like to share something for our uh, our spineless uh, Ohio Governor Mikey De- DeWine, and it goes like this: Out, out, get out of our property! Out, out, get out of my property! <laughs> Oh, Gary, you made my day. That was outstanding, good sir. Well done. Can you dig it? Mike DeWine immediately out of Columbus. Out, out. Immediately out. I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. I don't care what you have to say. Out. (laughs) Enjoy Enjoy your day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.